0: Hello baseball fans and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast. Where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no off season, and I'm your host Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl on today, the ninth day of November 2017. This is my first post World Series podcast. Uh, I was going to do something over the weekend, but I just, after all the baseball watching and the intensity and, well, what's been, let's be frank, kind of a eventful month for your pal Sully. I just spent the time as a dad, and I just focused on that. And even though I had some time to do it, well, I watched Wrath of Khan with my son and. Did some other stuff. So uh, I wanted to come back. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Obviously, the Houston Astros are getting their due. Um, I don't want to hear a lot of talk about this is the beginning of a dynasty because we've been here. we heard that about the Cubs last year. We heard that the Red Sox were going to win a lot of World Series after 07. Uh, I thought the White Sox were going to win a bunch of World Series after 05. Uh, the, the Phillies were supposed to win World Series after World Series. It's tough to win multiple World Series. And it's one of the things that makes what the San Francisco Giants have done recently to be such a strange outlier, that they have three championships in this decade and with a pretty solid core. And they're certainly not the team that I would have thought to be the one to win the multiple titles. So, Let's let it unfold the way it can. I mean, who knows? We may have a Cubs-Astros World Series next year, and wouldn't that be something? And, you know, but I thought the Cleveland was going to win. I thought Cleveland was going to win at the beginning of this playoff series, you know, and they didn't even make it past the Yankees. So it's tough to repeat. So if you are a Houston fan, and Richard Perez and all the people I know, that are big Houston fans, are going nuts right now, that this is – something to cherish. This is something terrific. And if it doesn't happen again, be happy that it happened. I mean, you look what's going to happen to Kansas City this year. They're probably going to lose some combination of Perez, Kane, Hosmer, Moustakis, and that the team is going to look a lot different going into the 2018 season. So you look at the fact that they won a pennant in 14, they won the World Series in 15, and say, hey, when we had that window of opportunity we were able to give our fans that moment forever. And so we're seeing the same thing happen with Houston. Now, yeah, they're super young. And they're going to have Altuve and Bregman and Correa and Springer and Keuchel. That that crew is going to be together for the next few years. So, yeah, they probably can win another title along the way. But there's a strong possibility that they won't. Or the window, of, maybe everything will click together for the Nationals this year, as they brought in Dave Martinez. I don't think the problem was Dusty Baker. I don't. Uh, if Jose Lobaton doesn't get picked off first base, or they could, anyone could score a run for Steven Strasburg in Game Two, then you know the Nationals are in the National League Championship Series, and who knows what happens. But anyway, I'm glad the Astros are getting their due. I'm glad that Carlos Correa did the whole proposing afterwards because that's a great, that's fun. And it's something for people to talk about. It was actually more exciting than anything that happened in that game, the final game. And, you know, it gave some personality to the players. You know, that's why I love all the fist pumps and the jumping up and down and everything like that. Because there's personalities. And now, a lot of people are going to be falling in love with how romantic Carlos Correa is. Don't get divorced, buddy. Don't get divorced. Don't just have the, if if, you know, stick it through, stick it through. You could be the romantic heartthrob of baseball. Oh, he's the guy he proposed. It's fun. It's fun. Altuve is fun. You know, this, this. Astros team is fun. A lot of the players on the Dodgers are fun. A lot of players on the Indians are fun. And the Cubs are fun. On the Yankees, I'll say it, are fun. On the Red Sox are fun. On the Nationals are fun. There's, there are fun damn teams out there. And now we're going to see what Dave Martinez can do. Now we're going to see what Alex Cora can do. It's an exciting time. Now I, I got to bring this up because it's I, I, had, I did a double triple quadruple take when i saw this trending on twitter um and and i just i i just can't believe it but i mean i guess i guess it's real is what happened to roy halliday i mean roy halliday has only been gone for baseball for a few years and he probably still could have pitched a little bit although he was he was clearly no longer the dominant pitcher he used to be but man roy halliday is gone and this was the guy who, I, I, I'll say it, he was the best pitcher of the 2000s. He was the best pitcher of a decade. Who was better? I mean, you could you could point to people maybe had runs that were as good. I mean, Johan Santana certainly had a great peak. Sabathia certainly had a great peak. His teammate, uh, Cliff Lee, certainly had a great peak. Um, but I... I I think that between 2003 and 2011, save for like one bad year, he was the best pitcher in baseball. You know, picked up a pair of Cy Young awards along the way, one of the few who have won in both leagues. Uh, A couple of Cy Young, you know, top five Cy Young finishes in 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2011. Uh, you know, he racked up huge inning totals, complete games, low ERAs, high strikeout totals, low uh, FIP—is it FIP or FIP? I'll never know. Low WHIP, uh, consistently walked the fewest batters in nine innings. And if you look at some of his walk totals, just in terms, just in terms of that, you know, he in 2008, he was a runner-up of the Cy Young Award in 2008. To his uh, eventual teammate Cliff Lee. And when he was at Toronto, he pitched, led the league with 246 innings. He struck out 206 batters and he walked 39 all year. And three of those were intentional. So he had 36 unintentional walks over 246 innings. That's surreal. And one of the great things about Roy Halladay was that he was a pitcher who, if you dig the uh, traditional stats, like wins, if you're a wins guy, he's consistently you know 20-game, 19 wins, 17 wins up and down his career. If you like ERA, super low ERA. If you like innings pitch, super high innings pitch. You like, complete, you like pitchers who complete games done he did it he had one perfect game one postseason no hitter remember he and Don Larson the only ones who throw postseason no hitters and he had another game where he had a no hitter with two outs in the eighth inning if you like the more advanced stats the FIP the whip pitcher for war you know war for pitchers I don't even know how to, to to say it win probability added Uh, Base out runs saved, adjusted pitching wins, base out wins, all these different, all these advanced stats, Roy Halladay was dominant. If you were a Canadian baseball fan in the 2000s, Roy Halladay was your guy. The, The Blue Jays did not make the postseason in the 2000s. There was not a whole hell of a lot to root for in the Rogers Center. And between 1999 and 2007, they had the built in excuse of, well, you know, we're in the division with the Red Sox and Yankees, so there's nothing we can do. But by 2008, the Rays showed that, oh, no, you can make the playoffs of this division. We can knock on the door there. We can uh, be, you know, we we could crash this playoff party. And at that time, Roy Halladay was just dominating the American League. And eventually they made the trade to send him to Philadelphia. And that looked like, you know how I was just saying that when uh, you know, the Astros and the Cubs and all these other teams looked like they were set up to win for years, the minute Roy Halladay arrived with the Phillies, it just looked like the Phillies were playing on a different level. And, okay, they, they met the Giants. The Giants had great pitching. So when they reunited Cliff Lee with the Phillies in 2011, and you had Lee, Halliday, Hamels, Oswalt, Blanton. I mean, there's unbelievable pitching staff. And that team in 2011, of which he was the Cy Young runner-up that year, and that team that won 102 ball games and had Howard – and had Utley and had Rollins and had Ibanez and had uh, Hunter Pence, and had Shane Victorino. That team's lone purpose was to win the World Series. And Roy Halliday, in that final game of the uh, division series, he got the loss, to be sure, but he pitched, he was tremendous. I mean, he pitched. Eight innings, let up one run, struck out seven, walked only one. And it just so happened that one run that he let up in the first inning, Rafael Furcal tripled, Skip Schumacher doubled. Okay, he let up one run, and then he held them scoreless the rest of the game, and that was it. Now, if the Phillies had squeezed one run in one inning and another run in another inning, Roy Halladay would have been looked upon as one of the Great heroes in Philadelphia sports history, as it was, even though he never made it to a World Series. His no hitter that he threw against Cincinnati in the Division Series has to be one of the great moments in Philadelphia sports history, certainly for the Phillies. And now he's gone. He's gone in the plane crash that he was flying. And, you know, I don't want to hear people saying, you know, when you analyze a video, he's being a hot dog. When you do something like that, when you say stuff like that, know what you're saying is he was doing that. Therefore, he deserved to die. That it's his fault. Can we just have a man who is universally respected and loved as a player? Can we just mourn a death for a day? For a week I mean is that Is that really Are we in, Are we really asking too much to be able to do that So uh, man You take a look at this Last few months Of people who we've lost Since I've made the last In Memoriam video We've lost Lee May We've lost Gene Michael We've lost Don Baylor We've lost Jim Landis We've lost Darren Dalton Now we've lost Roy Halliday. I mean it's Look, at, it's going to be... Next year's In Memoriam video is going to be rough to watch. I mean, we, we lost some big ones. We lost some big ones. So anyway, uh, Roy Halladay, rest in peace. And I'll say it. Uh, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, you could say you could say he's borderline. If you go to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in history of the planet Earth, and they list some of the, the pitchers he's most similar to. Um, you see a lot of people like Dwight Gooden, Ron Guidry, Jimmy Key, Brett Saberhagen, Tim Hudson, Roy Oswald, his teammate. Players who had tremendous peaks. Were their peaks? They were the elite, but weren't that didn't have a long enough peak. I can understand that argument. That puts him in the Oral Hershiser. Dave Stewart, Fernando Valenzuela category. Uh, I I use the, you know, this may be a subjective metric, and I know it's always dangerous to do that. But as I pointed out, between 2002 and 2011, he was the best pitcher in baseball, save for one year. And during that stretch, which if he had a decade-long stretch, where you're the best. I think that that's that mean. You know, to me, that puts you in the Hall of Fame. That means there's a there's a stretch of time where you were the elite pitcher. That's the reason why I think Dave Steve deserves at least to have his career reexamined because uh, he was. If you look, you know, statistic. I'm not even talking about you know intense. New Age, you know, sabermetrics. set, just in terms of his quality as a pitcher over a long period of time, he was the the elite in the American League. Now they have this whole. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Rest in peace, Roy Holiday. Uh, I I couldn't move forward without at least acknowledging what had happened. Um, there's a new the the Hall of Fame has the different committees to sort of re-examine players' ballots and players' uh, uh, whether or not they belong in the Hall of Fame. It's the modern era ballot, which is the, the era that I followed, that I know best. And you take a look at some of the players who are on it. You have Steve Garvey, okay, um, Tommy John, Don Mattingly, Jack Morris, Dale Murphy, Dave Parker, Ted Simmons, Louis Tion, and Alan Trammell. Okay. Um, I have no problem with Alan Trammell. Uh, I I have gone back and forth on Jack Morris. Um, And Dave Parker is someone I'm a huge fan of. Whether or not he belongs in, I'm not sure. Uh, Garvey, no way. I love you, Louis Tion, but no way. Mattingly and Murphy, no. Um... Tommy John should be in as a pioneer But the thing that Kind of drives me crazy is that a lot of these people Like Mattingly Like Murphy, like Parker Like uh, Morris Had been on the ballot for like The full 15 years And so we have examined Those careers It's not like we haven't had Debate and discussion about those careers I think the ballot needs To be opened up to Steve, who only had one year on the ballot, one year, done, out. And if you look at his career, he was the elite pitcher in the American League for a significant chunk of time to the point where you have to say, hey, can we at least examine this guy a little more closely than one year? The same thing that Lou Whitaker, who, when you look at his career, compares well to many players who are already in the Hall of Fame, including Joe Morgan, including Ryan Sandberg, including Barry Larkin, and he was a one-and-done. Another one who was a one-and-done was Bobby Gritch, who if you take a look at his career for power, for gold gloves, for his consistency, and for longevity, he was a one and dunner. Now, whether or not, you, I actually, I would like to see Lou Whitaker in the Hall of Fame. I would like to see Dave Steeb in the Hall of Fame. I would like to see Bobby Gritch in the Hall of Fame. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. That's your prerogative. But I think those are the careers that we need to take another look at. We just, we just finished kicking the tires on Jack Morris for 15 years. Dave Parker for 15 years. The purpose of some of these committees, I think, should be to examine people who got shortchanged. Now, I'll tell you the other thing that I want to see happen as we're starting to look at the Hall of Fame as a possibility coming out soon. We have a super cluttered ballot, and it is because of the PED accusations and everything. Now, last year was a significant year because it was the first time that Bonds and Clemens had made it past the 50 percent mark. So more than half of the voters are checking Bonds and Clemens's name. And, you know, it's clear that this year you're going to see, I mean, Trevor Hoffman's going to get in the Hall of Fame. He got 74 percent last year uh, and I, I'm not a huge Trevor Hoffman fan. I mean, I, I don't think he's a bad player. I wouldn't vote for him for the hall of fame. I thought he was, uh, as relievers go, I thought he's compiled a lot of saves, but I never was a huge fan of his, but that being said, and this is the thing I'll always make clear. I won't get mad about it. I won't shake my fist at the sky and get angry that Trevor Hoffman's in the Hall of Fame. It'll just be that is one that I point to and say, well, I don't agree with that, but he's a Hall of Famer, so tip your hat. There you go. Congratulations. Wouldn't have been on my ballot, but fine. Uh, Vladdy Guerrero is also going to get in. He, would, he had 71.7% of the vote last year, and you know he's just going to get in. You know, You don't get that high. On the ballot, and then you know, not get that final four percent to push you over the top. Um, and and chances are Jim Tomey is going to get it as well. I want to see a decluttering of the ballot. There's a lot of names on here. Either take them off the ballot or vote them in, okay? Because it's starting to get tiresome. All the the times we have to look up and say, yeah, yeah, yep, that's uh Bonds is still on there. Yep, Clemens is still on there. Now, I would put in the way they did for Roberto Clemente to allow Roy Halliday to be eligible for the Hall of Fame next year. There's no reason to have to be waiting for him. But if you're not gonna do that, that's fine. That's your prerogative uh I think Halliday will get into the Hall of Fame eventually, and I think what happened to him will, may expedite the vote. But I want to see, and I've been saying this for the last few years, I want to see a gigantic class. Now, a couple of these names on this class that I won't can't won't be on because Steve Whitaker and Gritsch aren't on the modern era ballot. But on that modern era ballot, they have, who's the one I would say on there? If they want to have, I mean, I don't know if I would, I mean, look at, I personally, emotionally, I love Dave Parker. I don't think any, Alan Trammell, I think, has the best shot of getting in of the modern era of the modern era ballot. Okay. Then what I want to see is I want to see Bonds. I want to see Clemens. I want to see Vladdy Guerrero. I want to see Edgar Martinez. I want to see Mike Messina. I want to see Kurt Schilling. I want to see Alan Trammell and Jim Tomei. Eight people, eight damn people. If you want to throw in a couple of the ones, okay, I, I don't vote for them, but Trevor Hoffman is going to be on there There's nothing I can do about it I can't scream at the tides anymore And uh, I don't know Maybe throw one more in there Um, Would uh, You know Maybe either Manny Ramirez Or Sammy Sosa You know maybe throw one of them in there Although Sosa probably doesn't have a chance But right there's nine The eight that I would pick Plus Trevor Hoffman And just declutter the ballot. And that way we can sit down and have a debate over Sosa, over Ramirez, especially if Bonds and Clemens are in. We can sit there and just v- discuss the merits of a Gary Sheffield, of a Jeff Kent, of an Omar Vizquel, of an Andrew Jones, you know, of Fred McGriff, of Billy Wagner. I See, I prefer Wagner to Trevor Hoffman, but that's just me. And so And not that I'm saying that all these people are indeed Hall of Famers, but at least we could have the discussion. The Hall of Fame ballot discussion shouldn't be over, is Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, are they Hall of Famers? It should be discussing the merits of Scott Rowland. Now, you may think he is, you may think he's not, but that's someone you debate over for 10 years and figure that one out. So I want to see a crowded one, and... And I have Kurt Schilling in there as well. I have no problem with putting Kurt Schilling in the Hall of Fame, uh, and and just just because because I think he had a great career, I think he had a dominant career, I think he had a career that stretched a, a long enough period of time and enough years of dominance, plus the the, the spectacular postseason career that he had, that uh, he merits a trip to the Hall of Fame. I have I there's no part of me has any. Any problem with saying that. And for those of you who think he's a, a windbag and a blowhard, uh, and I've seen very little to, to uh, disagree with that, uh, I would say that this would be the ideal situation is to put him in a super crowded Hall of Fame class of which the president of the Hall of Fame would say, hey, Kurt, um, you've got five minutes. We got nine people We got to get through here Nine And not everyone can have an hour long speech So everyone gets five minutes You get five minutes And uh, when you get the light You know this is the whole thing of like my, my stand up comedy days When you get the light Wrap it up Wrap it up And if I, if I have the light And he said Well let me also tell you about global warming There's the light There's the light You got the light Kurt so there you have it. That's what I want to see. I want to see a big free agent class. I've been, I've been adamant about this for the last bunch of years, but it's the only way we can purge this ballot and move on. Because once you have Clemens and Bonds in there, after that, you, you'll forget all about them. What story is there going to be about them? They'll be sitting in the back, and maybe you say they have to sit in the back, back row. You sit way in the back with Don Sutton. You know, we're going to sit Willie Mays right up front as long as he's with us. We're going to sit Henry Aaron right up front. Sandy Koufax right up front. If Bobby Doer, who's going to be 100 years old at the next Hall of Fame ceremony, if he is still with us, may the universe be willing. Put his butt right up front. Lasorda, put his butt right up front. And you could have Bonds and Clemens and and all, you know, them sitting in the way back. But then we're not talking about them anymore. We're not bringing them up anymore. And as I said, the Hall of Fame is better served with Bonds and Clemens in there than Tom Yorkie in there. than Cap Anson in there. than Bowie Kuhn in there. There are people in there who have done more to harm the game than to help it. But is a goddamn Hall of Famer. Sorry, Ray. So I have no qualms of putting Bonds and Clemens in there. None. And get it out of the way in a super crowded class. because You don't like Bonds. You don't like Clemens. Hell, you don't like Schilling. But what do you you got something bad to say about Vladdy Guerrero? He has something bad to say about Edgar Martinez, about Mike Messina, about Jim freaking Tomei. Yeah, come on. Shove him in the biggest Hall of Fame class we've ever had, and then it'll be done. Then it will be done. And if you don't want to see their speech, do you know what? Treat it the way I treated the Country Music Awards the other night. Do you know what I did? I didn't watch it. I moved on. So that's what I want. Come on, voters! Uh, you, the, the, you blew it with this, you know, this modern era ballot because the three that should have been on there—Grich, Steve, and Whitaker—aren't on there. The ones that are on there, I think Trammell is the only one who has a shot. And frankly, I'd love to see Trammell get that shot. I would love to see that happen. And as it turns out, we're going to have. We will probably have. Um, Hoffman and Guerrero will certainly get into the uh, we'll get into the Hall of Fame this upcoming year, and chances are you'll have uh, Tomey and Chipper Jones as well. Oh, Chipper Jones, there's your tenth. There you go. There you go. And again, because we know Chipper Jones has retweeted some crazy Alex Jones conspiracy theory shit, then again, bring him in in a 10person Hall of Fame class. That way, they can't talk for all that long. So anyway, um, rest in peace, Roy Halliday. And let's uh, let's have a wonderful weekend, everyone. So go to sullybaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. Talk about baseball on the ninth day of November 2017. This is Sully Baseball. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.